So this morning, as Hannah shared, we're continuing our Sermon Centered series. This is a series we've been journeying over for eight months, eight months slowly working, so 18 months, slowly working through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. That as we kind of reflected around kind of our global situation, situation here in New Zealand, but also within our own lives and own hearts, that actually this felt like a season where it was really appropriate to center ourselves on the person of Jesus, on his life, and particularly through the Centered series, his words, that his teaching, the words he'd say, would bring us life and truth in this moment. So this morning, I want to read, if you've got a Bible with you, from Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 7 to 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So on everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as we come to our passage this morning, I feel like it really sits within what our heart for this sermon series was, that as we look to our world around us, there just feels like this continued sense of like, even though we started this 18 months ago, just still this kind of disorder and chaos around us. And then now kind of 18 months on, people wanting to, I think, respond by get some sense of control and order. How do we like move on, how do we fix this, how do we deal with this, how do we work on this. So like for my parents, currently they live in the UK, so every couple of weeks we do a FaceTime call with them, and talking with them there last week, they were like, this is nuts, we're falling apart over here. The UK is like, and I don't know if you know, but it's been rough over there, in the midst of not just COVID, but then the situation in Russia and Ukraine and just kind of grapple with that. Had a political party come to power and say, hey, we've got the solution. We, like, life's hard, but we can take control. We can fix this. And man, they just made it so much worse. The economy crashed, just like chaos amongst the people. And I feel like this is probably an extreme example, but I think we've seen examples of that in our country and around the world as well, of like, okay, let's fix this, let's sort this out, and an inability to do it as quickly, as easily, as well as we'd wanted to. Like even thinking here, like actually even this week, stuff around like just the teenagers and just them processing what they've been through the last years and it not coming out in healthy or productive ways for our society and those in charge being like, we don't really know how to fix this. We don't really know a sense of how to get control and order out of this chaos and disorder that we're feeling. The sense of how do we get back to some kind of status quo. And actually, I think, 
personally, if we're honest, there's probably been a similar sense within ourselves. Like when chaos and disorder has come out out of ourselves, a sense of like, I want to get some control. Like over these past couple of years, stuff has changed. Stuff's come out of it. I know like a lot of people have left their jobs, changed jobs, trying to process what's going on with themselves and often ending up the solutions that we find not quite working. I'm trying to fix myself and it's just not working. And this ache that I think that we feel is not dissimilar to what it was like when Jesus spoke these words back 2,000 years ago. That particularly for the people of God under Roman rule, there was a sense of, man, life is not what we had planned. This vision of the kingdom of God and God coming is not what, it doesn't look like that. And how do we get there? How do we take back some control? How do we get to what God promised? And if you know, historically, there are kind of four groups that are singled out as like, these are four groups who thought, this is how we're going to get to what we think God wants. Four groups. The first group is the Sadducees, who were kind of a group, this upper class group, the priestly class have thought, the way to make things right is actually they partnered up with those in power, their oppressors. Thought actually if we get a bit grey on some of these beliefs, what it means to be a Jew, maybe things maybe that's how we fix things. Maybe that's how we get some control. The Pharisees, their response was actually this high we have to call people to this high life to live the law. While the Sadducees are diluting it, we've got to call people back to it. And not just the priests, but everyone has got to follow God's law to a T. That's how we get control and order back. That's how we get out of this chaos and disorder. If we all do that, then we'll see God move. You get this group called the Essenes who kind of said, like, it's not going to work. Like, doing this under the empire, we're not going to get any order. This is not going to work for us. We're not going to see God's kingdom come. The way to do it is we've got to pull away and escape and be the separate group of God's people outside of the world. That's how we're going to see God's kingdom and rule come. And then you get this group, the zealots, who are kind of just like, let's just burn it all down. That's the way to fix this. Let's just fight this violence. Let's fight this empire. That's the way we're going to get these solutions. And in the midst of this, the sense of like the vision that we were promised, we thought we were going to get, and it's not lining up, how do we fix it? Jesus comes with the words this morning from our text. And I actually want to start with the last verse of our passage this morning because I think it actually frames up a bit of the passage. So in Matthew 7, 12, it says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Now this verse, kind of like the passage last week, this section is often placed together as like these verses but this one kind of fits awkwardly at the end. It doesn't naturally, like it even says so, but it doesn't naturally actually link to the sentence before and doesn't naturally link to what comes after. It's kind of this phrase that it's like, how does this fit? And scholars and commentators kind of the same of like, this, this doesn't really fit super nicely. So we're not going to force it. So we'll just kind of treat it as its own thing. 
but I think as I read through them, one of the most common ways that people thought, actually, maybe this is how it reconciles. It doesn't fit nicely with the verses before the verses after, but it actually matches a verse really nicely at the start of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. At the start of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but fulfill them. And actually, this passage, verse 12, is kind of the bookend. There's two bookends talking about the law and the prophets. Jesus hasn't come to abolish them, but fulfill them. And here at the end, he says, this sums it up. With the idea that actually, Jesus' teaching between these two passages are what the words in the law of, and the prophets mean for us now. This is the final statement of like, this stuff, sum it up, it is do to others what you have, have done to them. So from chapter five to here can be summed up in this verse. And I think this is actually quite helpful in two ways, because this is also another verse from the Sermon on the Mount that can kind of be pulled out of context and just held on its own. And not even the whole verse or the whole sentence, just the kind of middle words, do to others what you would have them do to you. Kind of, this is known as the golden rule. It's kind of, this is an ethic, that this is what you live by. That's what it is. Which I think is helpful in the sense that it actually summarizes what Jesus has taught before. This is what it all builds towards, and this is the summary. But I think it's also helpful because you can't take like last week, you can't take this verse in isolation. That if this is a summary, then we actually have to go back and read prior to understand what this verse means. It's not just, I think it can be easy to read this verse, do to others what you would have them do to you, is just be nice and we'll be good. But actually, if this is a summary, Jesus has just taught us what it means to do to others what you would have do to them. And this talks about f- deep forgiveness. It talks about loving your enemies. Last week, it talks about not judging others, not condemning others. Actually, this is what's wrapped up and what it means to do to others. It is a deep and a hard call to live this out in the way that Jesus means. And this is kind of the summary of not just the section, but also kind of where our passage sits this morning within. That Jesus has called his people at the start of the sermon on the mount to this life, this righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And if we don't surpass that righteousness, that way of living, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That is the people of God we call not to just, to not just not murder, but also not be angry. We're not just to flee from adultery, but also flee from lust. We're not just called to love our neighbor, but we're called to love our enemy. We're called to pray, to fast, to trust in God over money, to not worry, to not condemn others. This is kind of what Jesus has built up of. You want to experience the kingdom. You want to be a participant in God's kingdom, what God's doing. These are the kind of people that you are called to be. So that when Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, it's coming 
from a place of we are seeking that kingdom, we are seeking to be those kind of people. This is not just a generic ask, seek, and knock. It's in light of what Jesus has just taught us, we've got to do some asking, some seeking, some knocking. A common passage actually to help interpret our one this morning comes from James, chapter four, verses one to three. And it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Our passage this morning is not a generic ask God for nice things and he will give you nice things. I think in light of the sermon that Jesus has preached, we are asking to be God's people, to be part of his kingdom. That's what we're asking for. It's also not a, like a pull yourself up from your bootstraps. I've asked you to not be angry, asked you not to last. Now I'm asking you to ask. It's not an extra thing added on, but instead I think examining what we're asking for and our motivations. I found this great passage from Tom Wright that I think sums up as we come to this passage an approach for us. But for most of us, the problem is not that we are too eager to ask for the wrong things. The problem is that we are not eager enough to ask for the right things. That as we hear Jesus' words over us of the kind of people he calls us to be, holy and righteous, Tom Wright says, hey, those are the things we should go to God and say, man, I need this, I want this, I can't do it on my own. God, I'm asking you, will you give this to me? Because in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And this passage has been commonly described as one of the most encouraging and hope-filled passages and not just Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, but actually in the whole New Testament. That we get this image that's reinforced three times and then again. So it's re three times for you, ask, seek, knock. And then actually not for you, for everyone, for everyone else, ask, seek, knock. Jesus is compelling us. We are called to approach God to pray. And those who do that will find that what they ask for has been given to them. What they sought, will, they will find, and the door will be opened. And I think even in these three phrases, I can think, ask, the sense of, if God is feeling close to you right now, sense of like, me and God feel good. God says, ask then. You've got a need, ask, and I'll give it to you. But if God's feeling far away, if God's feeling distant, like, man, I don't even know where he is, the call is, okay, seek. Where is God? Let's find him. And if actually it feels like, man, there's just a barrier between me and God, I just, I can't get there. Jesus says, just knock, and God will open it. 
We are to be a people who are persistently asking, seeking, knocking. When Jesus says these words in the Greek, it's not just like a ask once, sweet, I got it, I'm sorted. This is the phrase is these are present imperatives that these are keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And not from a not from a place of God's like we need to just nag God to get him to listen to us. Not like I've got to keep going, otherwise God won't give it. More from a place of a child who's like Dad, I need some more food. Hey, Dad, I've got to go to the toilet again. Just this child who's like, oh, I've got a need. Something's come up. I'll go to, I'll go to God again about that. Just this, like, this habit of like, oh, I've seen something that I need. Of course I'll go to God, and I'll keep going to God. When other needs think comes up, it's not like, oh, I asked and he gave last time, so like, I've kind of used up all his goodness and his grace. Or, oh, I asked last time and he gave it and I didn't really, I haven't been good since then so I can't ask again. So this practice of like, no, we continually come to God and we ask and we seek and we knock. This is the kind of people that we are. And it's not a promise. I don't think if we read it in light of what Jesus has preached, it's not a message of like, man, I just really want a nice car. And Jesus will be like, oh, here you go. You found it. Like it's not this what we ask he will give, but I think when we ask he will give us what we need. That is the call. That is what he gives us. Because I think, yeah, to be honest, most of us, that's our experience. We've probably asked God for things that afterwards we're like, maybe we didn't need that, or maybe God did give me what I actually needed in that space. And I think the ultimate message of this is that the kingdom and our formation into followers of Christ is not something that we achieve, that we strive for, that we have to like, I've got to work myself to God. It's as we read the Sermon of Jesus, this high call of who we are to be as followers, he then says, that's a really high, hard call. You're not going to get there, so ask and I will give you people who in their humility come and say God I can't do this will you give me I need more of your grace I need more of your goodness this posture of asking and knocking continually and that prayer we talk around this place that prayer this coming to God is our first response not our last resort not oh man, I did not like oh man I've like I've tried to figure this out myself and I'm stuck to God it's like as a child who says, hey, I need help. Hey, I need some goodness. I need some grace. I'm not the person who I want to be God. Hey, I'm asking. I'm seeking. I'm knocking. Can you give me? Can you give me? And I think as we look through Scripture and how the people of God have dealt with this, they've also done this when they've felt like I've been asking, I've been seeking I've been knocking and it hasn't happened the way that I wanted. I felt like my desires my heart was good, I was after good things and I've just been met with pain and disappointment and heartache and for the people of God we call this lament that we continually come to God and say this sucks, this is hard 
this is tragedy, God, I'm asking you. And just the practice of choosing and the pain and the heartache and when we feel like God is not giving and he is not hearing, that we continue to ask and seek and knock. That we lament and bring that before God. The Psalms are full of it. We have a book called Lamentations. It's about lamenting before God when our dreams, our hopes, our desires, the world that we hope for has not come to pass and we come and we bring that before God. That in this, we're actually, we may not feel like God is a good God who's going to answer, but we're choosing this practice over our emotions, this practice of lament, of even bringing that stuff to God as an act of asking, of seeking, of knocking. And I love in Luke's gospel, when he has this passage around asking, seeking, knocking, he has a little different twist to Matthew. Matthew talks about God gives us a gift, the gift. Luke talks about the gift is the Holy Spirit. That actually when we're in moments, we're like, God, I need you, I need you to work. God just doesn't give us stuff or change us. He gives us himself. He gives us the Holy Spirit, the most beautiful gift in the midst of this. So we may not always get the response or the gift that we want, but I think we get the gift that we need. So the question is, why then, as a people, do we not ask, seek, and knock? And even for actually the people that Jesus was speaking to, why didn't they ask, seek, and knock? Why did Jesus have to teach this? Because if you know anything about first century Palestine, like these are people who, like, they pray, they have a deep prayer life. It was pretty common to have memorized the book of Psalms, which is known as the prayer book of the people of God, that you've got on tool. Here's prayers, you, just a life dedicated to prayer. And yet even for them, Jesus has to teach them to pray. And actually what his known as the novelty or the newness of Jesus' vision of prayer, of asking, of seeking, of knocking, is how we approach God. That in all the Jewish literature, Jesus has a uniqueness where he says we come to God as Father, as Dad. That the word that he uses is this term Abba, which is a term that's between a child and their father in a home. That's the attitude. We come to God like a parent we would in a home and say hey I need a glass of orange juice hey I need a pro like we can just come to God like that that is the approach when we turn to him because Jesus says which of you if your son asks for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a snake if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him and here we see that the emphasis of this whole passage is actually not on the prayer but it's on the character of God that it's not about our goodness what we've done the specific words or the way we've prayed but it's God is a good God that's the emphasis. That's why we pray. 
in examining our prayer life, Scott McKnight says this, that for many of us, while we affirm that God is good and God listens, we do not act as if God cares and listens. That actually our prayer life is a measure of our view of God. What is your prayer life like? How would you describe your prayer life? Because many of us, when we talk about God, would probably say God is good, God is great, God is loving. But actually, what does our practice of prayer look like? Because that's probably a more accurate reflection of what you think of God, how you see God, how good you think God is. How is your prayer life? Because Jesus teaches us that we're to view God as a good God. That if actually if any of us have experienced any goodness from our parents, from our guardians, from someone in our lives, he's saying, hey, take that. That's a glimpse. That's an invitation to look for the real thing. If you've ever been given a good gift, been given a kind word by someone in your life, use that to inspire you to say, hey, that's what God is like all the time. Invitation to look to God in the midst of this. Because this is how Jesus consistently talks about God and not just talks about how he himself interacts with God. Jesus teaches us the story of the prodigal son, the story where the son did not recognize his father for who he was and the love that was on offer and asked for his inheritance and ran away from home to spend it all. And once he'd spent it all, gone broke, was working as a slave, ran back home and said, Dad, I'm sorry, I've taken the inheritance. Will you forgive me and let me come back as one of your servants? prodigal son comes back and asks of God this is what I need dad and what does God say what does the father say in that story welcome back you're part of the family you don't need to be a servant you don't need to be a slave you're a son you're a daughter that's who our God is that when Jesus says ask seek not that's the God that we're doing that to. A good God, a loving God, a loving father, a loving parent. And so the invitation is to continually go to that God. And I wonder how much, for many of us, we do not have because we do not ask. And we do not ask because we do not believe that God is good. And so the invitation this morning is simply that we would be a people who learn to pray, who learn to come before God and to ask and to seek and to knock. And for some of us, that is probably a challenge. We probably want to go about it our own ways, sort things out for ourselves first. It's hard default to change. And so the way the people of God have done this for years is they have prayed either ancient prayers written by the church 
all again, prayed the Psalms. That the Psalms express something beneath the surface of a deep trust in God. That as I come to God, I trust Him. And so as a people, I'll invite us. If asking, seeking, knocking is a challenge for you, I'll invite you to pray the Psalms. And I think one of the reasons we do this is the Psalms challenge us in a couple of ways. One, they're often far more reverential of God than we ever are in our prayers, at least for me. The way they speak of God, they adore God, they praise and worship Him is far more than I do by default. But they're also far more vulnerable and open with emotions with God. I was talking with John after the service this morning around like these psalms where the psalmist cries out for violence against their enemy. And that's like, that's weird to pray. Like there's stuff in the psalms that I'm like, I don't feel comfortable saying that to God. But actually I need to, we need to be shaped into people who do say those things to God. Because like this psalmist who cries violence for violence, they're asking of God. God's not going to do that. But they're bringing it before God. They're asking, they're entering into relationship, they're seeking, they're knocking. And that's the call of us to be people. I think as we, if you want to be formed into a prayerful person, pray the Psalms. They will teach you how to pray. Consciously, subconsciously, you'll be formed into a person who treats God like a loving father. And I think for us, at the well, as I reflected this week, I think we're a bunch of, I don't speak for myself, but I think you guys are a bunch of highly competent people. And I think the challenge in that is, most of us could keep doing our best, trying for a long time without ever asking, seeking, and knocking. We can go a long way, we can have a lot of success you can put up some metrics and we could do really well as individuals and as a collective and yet never ask, seek and knock. That we could achieve all kinds of success but we could not actually achieve the kind of formation and become the kind of people Jesus is calling us to. And to become those kind of people we need to be a people who ask, who seek, who knock. That as a people, we need to become used to the posture of receiving, receiving from God, his goodness, his grace. That in times where we feel like, man, we need some help, we go to God. In times where we feel like, man, I got this sorted. To actually examine ourselves and our hearts and say, God, actually, I need your eyes on this. I need your input on this. I need your heart on this. So I want to invite the band up as we close this morning. So as we come finish on our passages this morning, the invitation of us is to be a people who are formed in a way that we consistently and regularly and with persistence go to God as a loving Father and ask and seek and knock knowing that he is a good father who promises in these words we will get given we will find 
the door will be answered. If God's feeling close and you ask, he will answer. If God's feeling far and you have to seek, you will find him. If he's feeling like a barrier between you and God, just come and knock. It doesn't talk about like get a sledgehammer and like knock down. It's just knock. Let God do the work. Experience God and his goodness and his grace. Let's pray.